morning, everybody. It's good to see everyone here this morning. And it's good to be here this morning. I'm telling one brother this morning, uh, I can't remember not coming to Bakersfield. I was raised in L.A., and we always either stopped by here on the way up north that we came here to see somebody. And it's a little bitty guy I remember coming here. I told him I had my first hayride here. I'm a city boy. My first hayride at Doyle and Nancy's place when I was a kid. So thank you for the memories, and thank you for being the good people that you are, being able to do those things for us. We pray that continues. This morning I'm going to have a little baseball theme. hope that's okay. It's called a dream team. When I was a kid, I used to always like to follow baseball a lot closer than I do now. I had baseball cards and everything, and even adults, I like to see how they get the teams together at the beginning of the year, how they start picking folks, getting rid of folks, doing those kinds of things, and every organization has their different priorities. Of course, they all want to be in the World Series. Every team does. That's what they're trying to do. But all their batting averages, the pitching ERAs, all those different things, and every team wants to recruit the best team they can have, the dream team. I got to thinking about my dream team. If I had a baseball team, a dream team, what would it be? The names of my team would probably be different to some of the younger people here. Names you probably not recognize, Maury Wills, people like that that are older folks, but in my day were very good. But you might have a dream team you might think about. I follow this kinds of things. There's a, a player who went to Fresno State that's alumni there that I follow him pretty close. He's not on my favorite team, but I follow him because he'd be one that would be on my dream team. Well, this is kind of the thing I think about. We also thought about that when I was working at the shop. I worked at a body shop for many years. And then when this first idea first came up about a dream team was when I was in the shop. We were having some problems with some employees. Some employees who just really didn't care. They didn't like their trade. It's almost like we got by in spite of some of these people rather than because of these people in the shop. Got to think, what, how much my coworkers that I really liked, we sat down one day and thought about a dream team how we would like to have a dream team in the shop, how much we could get done in the shop if we had the right folks here. We started talking about some of our instructors from the trade schools we went to, some of the painters that we knew, some of these other folks, some of the guys that were really good bean counters, you know, that could come in there and just really make a really nice, efficient shop, get quality work done. We used to wonder about that. And I go home thinking about that some days. I really wish we had some of these guys here. Some of the guys we have working with here are just not... <laughs> You could say they're not really adequate. Some are good craftsmen, but they just really weren't good employees, you might say. But in spite of everything, when I retired, many of them were still there. And they were still being inefficient, and they were still not putting out as much as we should have. But I always kept that in mind, a dream to you how much it would have been. Along with those thoughts also came Jesus. When he prayed sometime for some folks, one time he prayed all night before he chose some people. Luke records Jesus spent an entire night in prayer before he chose the 12 disciples. In Luke chapter, chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, the Bible says this. Came to pass in those days as he went out into a mountain to pray. He continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto his, his disciples. And of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. Simon whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. 
He's been all night in prayer before he chose these 12 people. If you're to have a perfect sports team, a perfect workplace, you might see a perfect congregation. Congregation is the same way. We sometimes wish we had different people, don't we? Wish we had more efficient people. We wish these things. We look at each other the same way sometimes, even though we shouldn't, but we do. But think about this. If you want to have a perfect church, and people are going to give the instructions like the Great Commission did. Remember what Jesus told these people in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, even all the way unto the end of the world. He prayed all night. And the people who he prayed for were going to take this right here when he left this earth. And they were going to spread the gospel throughout the world. But what they did is because that's why we have the church today, because they were efficient. But look at what Jesus got. Look who he had to deal with. We're going to look at these guys just real quick. I think if we had sports cards in these guys, what would they say? They would be empty. <clears throat> we know how the world looks at things. This is a wonder these 12 could be an answer to any prayer. The Son of God prayed all night, and he got these 12. The list included a, included a traitor, which was Judas, Peter, an impulsive person, and sometimes a hothead, you might say, who once was told that Satan had a hold on him. In Matthew 8 and 33, the Bible says, Peter rebuked Jesus. Jesus said, get thee, with, get, get thee <clears throat> behind me, Satan. So here you have a fellow, here he has Satan following him around, trying to get him to go his way. You see what happened? The night Jesus was, he was crucified, the night before he was crucified. Matthew, a tax collector, whose career was not the most honest or respected. You want to have good attention your house, have some people from IRS over for dinner, invite some other folks, see how many show up. It's kind of what Matthew did. He had it after he was, he had Jesus over his house for a dinner. After he met Jesus, guess who came? All those kinds of folks. There are also a few fishermen. Not usually known for their scholarly credentials. Peter and Andrew, they weren't really scholars like Paul was, were they? They really weren't that way. A lot of the others, the occupations, and most of the history is not even known. The way the world looks has to be a bunch of nobodies. That wouldn't be the people you would choose. If you're going to choose, the world is to choose 12 people right now to spread the gospel, it wouldn't be a bunch of nobodies. There'd be credentials, there'd be all kinds of different folks. But that's not the way Jesus looks at it. If I would have been given these 12, knowing the responsibility they were going to have, I would have been worried. Looking at the backgrounds of who they were. Of all the people available at that damn time that Jesus could have used to spread the gospel, when he prayed, he got these 12. That's be a lesson to all of us. The Great Commission was to be in their shoulders. Yet you might say a bunch of minor leaguers put in the major leagues. That's kind of what it was. A bunch of bench warmers put in the playing field. But, you know, that's, that's the way it is. So we deal with inadequacy. You know, it's a, I'm there being up here. I'm before Preacher, Frankie. I'm, I'm before Matt, these other people. And I'm just a retired blue-collar guy, you know. But I'm doing my best because that's what these people did. These people did their best, and look what happened. We just left the responsibility of spreading the gospel of the world. It was left up to these guys. And to me, that's just so amazing. That's why I love the story, following these people, what they turned into. 
This should be a lesson to us. The Lord does not look at things like we do. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Bible says this. It's speaking of when David was chosen to be king. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh at the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Remember what they'd done? They'd take all of David's brothers and pray to him before the prophet, because he was going to anoint the king. They prayed to all of them, except for the runt of the litter, you might say, except for David. He was out tending the sheep. They never dreamed it would be David. But it was not his man seated. Finally, we got all done. He says, is there any more sons? Well, yeah, I got one over there. We'll bring him. And he was to be the king. Not his man looked at it. They all thought the king would be like this brother, or like this brother, or like this brother. That's not the way God looked at it all. That's why it says that in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. We need to do the same thing. Jesus did the same thing. When he got those 12, he looked at it like Jesus does, because he sees the heart. He sees who we really are. We see, we come here, we try to be Christians, good to each other. We are good compassionate folks, good Christian folks, but Jesus sees us away from here. He sees us who we really are. That's when you remember that, because he did with these folks. The ones that might not fit in, they did. They fit in exactly right where Jesus wanted them to. It's always remember to view the world as Jesus does, not as the world does, not less influenced that's much. This day and time, the fluence of the world is a scary thing. But we have so much information in front of us. A lot of it's false, but we have it all there. It's really, really hard for the fluence not to enter into our families, our personal lives, and even in the church. Sometimes we have to just remember and do a timeout and think, okay, we need to stop and think. Stop and think. Just take a timeout. Stop and think about where the world's influencing your life. Where it might even squeeze into the church your family. Think about those things. Be very careful. Look at things like Jesus would look at things. Not like the world looks at things. That's very, very important. Based on our day and time, to have the eyes of Jesus. Because the world of politics, the world of religion, the world of Hollywood and Gates and Buffett, all these things, they can influence us. And they can carry over something. But we don't even realize it because it's so slow. We have to be so careful. Look at things like Jesus did. Not like the people did when they were picking the king. Look at things like God does. There's an old saying that says, you won't be judged by how intelligent or how knowledgeable you are, but by how well you obeyed. The Bible says you'll be known by your works, by what you did. Think about that. God looks at things much differently, not just knowledge and intelligence, but how well you obeyed. The fishermen he chose, think about that. They weren't scholars, were they? No, there's a really good group of folks here. A good group of folks at home. It's refreshing to look out and see the good group of folks we have here, we have at home. It makes me feel good about the future of the church. A lot of possibilities. You know, I've got Frankie working for you here. We've got Shaw Hay coming for us at Clovis. We're trying to work on these things really, really hard. It's, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. So we're going to use this. But we can't let Satan get in the way. We just can't do that. As he was with Peter, following Peter. You think we're immune? He's not following us like he was Peter. Be very, very careful. We ought to be doing our best. Not let there be any wedges. But anything happen to the world to prevent us from doing these things. The apostles, these 12 men, were throwing all kinds of things thrown at them. You follow their lives. You follow through the book of Acts, what they did. You follow the things that went through there. All kinds of things were thrown at them. But they rebuked everything. 
They had a tough time, did they? Yes, they did. They had a real tough time. But did they do it? Yes. Did Satan try to get on the way of the progress? He sure did. But they still strove on, and they strove on, and they strove on. Just like we need to do. It's amazing to me what these men did. And because they did what they did, look how things turned out. This mismatch of common men eventually turned into fantastic leaders. They were amazing men. But we have to remember, too, that they weren't perfect. Sometimes they acted just like some of us do. They disagreed. They had little spats. They did those things. Matthew chapter 20, there was a discussion about placement in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 24. The Bible says this. This is the human side of them. They came to him, the mother of Zebedee's children, with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on the right hand, the other on the left, in the kingdom. Jesus answered and said, You know not what ye ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said unto him, We are able. He said to them, You shall indeed drink of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given unto them for whom it prepared for, prepared of my father. When ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. In Avisas, they were displeased. Here they had a discussion and they agreed. Apparently, all of them were involved, and the others were upset because they might get it, just like us. Middle difference, the human element of it there. Yes. Like so many today, but what about me? What about me? They're going to get it. What about me? Just like today. We need to be very careful about these things. Were they human? Yes. Did they overcome these things? Yes, they did. They got over these things because they worked for superior cause. They, came, they overcame the incidentals for the important. They learned to separate the sheep from the goats. No one forget when I was younger. As a signs of maturity, I learned this. I'll never forget it. I used to worship at the Congregation Growth Hollywood. There was a tree out front that some brother liked and some brother didn't. Well, one brother came and trimmed that tree and really didn't do a good job of it. I remember that. Some other brother liked the tree. They kind of got upset at him for doing it without talking to the brother. And then, not a conflict. They had a very heated discussion, you might say, about the who do that future. The next Sunday, there was some church issues. It's amazing to me how those brethren were all of a sudden were on the same page with the serious church issues. The tree, yeah, they're upset about the tree, but they're like, that's, that's the tree. But this is the church. This is different. I never forget that. It learns a sign of maturity to be able to separate things from what happens to the trivial in your lives, you might say, or the small things. The things that are really, really important that affect the salvations of folks, affect the family lives of folks, affect these spiritual aspects of your lives. Very important we understand those things, be able to separate, as one preacher said, the sheep and the goats. So what's really, really important, realize what's really, really important. Trimming the tree, yeah, we can get over that. But this is what's really important over here. And realizing that, I always remember that, it's done me good through the years. You look through the New Testament, the story of these men through Acts, you'll see they went through these kinds of things. And they settled things the same way. They realized what was really important and what's not, and they tried to teach that. In your relationship, everything. This lesson, we have to also have to learn to work with what, what we have. That's hard to do sometimes, but you really might be surprised working with what you have. So you don't know what it's going to turn into. 
You also be careful about assuming things about other people because they did this, they're going to be like this. Or you think because one thing they did, they're going to be like that all the time. Be very careful about assuming things about other people because it's a very dangerous area to be. I'll explain why in just a few minutes. Before I get to that, I want to say one more, more another part here that's I've always thought about with these 12. Do you ever think how they felt when Judas betrayed them and betrayed Christ? How they felt when he did that? They've been together. Obviously, he had tricked them too because he wasn't a suspect to any of them. Judas was good. He was slick. Think about their behavior after the Garden of Gethsemane. What happened after the Garden of Gethsemane? They were in shock at all what happened. In fact, it says they're in shock, astonishment, depression, and fear I have written down here. We talk about Peter being the one that forsook him. But let's read this, Matthew chapter 26, verses 55 and 56. The Bible says this, The same hour Jesus said unto the multitudes, when they're coming to get him, Are you come out against as, a, are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I daily sat with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hand on me. But all this was done that the scriptures and prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. It wasn't just Peter, was it? That happened, and the next day, Judas, then after that, Judas killed himself. The next day, Jesus was dead. This all happened so fast. When Jesus, remember, they were at the, asking who would be at this kingdom, sitting right hand and the left hand of Jesus. And not long after that here, all of a sudden, the other one betrayed him. That person committed suicide. Jesus is dead. Real quick. They'd be thinking like, man, what's next? Their world was falling apart. It's collapsing. It's like, what happened to all the promises, all the things that Jesus said? What happened to all those? As many people today, they, don't, they didn't get it yet. Many people today don't get it yet. There's a hint of this in the story in the road to Emmaus. Now Luke chapter uh, 14. Luke 24, excuse me. Luke 24, we're going to start reading in verse 13. The Bible says this. Remember, this is after these things happened. This is how some of these folks felt. It says, And behold, the two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together, all, talked together of all these things which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name is Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? He said unto them, What things? And he said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he who should have redeemed Israel. We said all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and a certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. When they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision. They also seen a vision of angels and said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it, even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe. And all of the prophets have spoken. 
Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They had that doubt. The world's falling apart. What now? These things are supposed to happen. They were confused and puzzled. What to do next? It happened so fast. But what did they do? It wasn't very long. They overcame. What did they ever overcame? They overcame and they rebounded. This as many other folks did. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham was asked to kill his son. Think about where he went after that. Think about Job, Jonah, David, Moses. Think about inadequacies. I took a lesson on inadequacies. The story of Moses when he felt he wasn't good enough. He, he even rebuked God. God said, I want you to go to the people. Well, who am I? They're going to listen to me. And he went on and on and on. Everything that Moses had a complaint about, God had to re- rebound to. Notice, Moses, you have no excuse. You feel you're not a good, but you can do it. Well, I can't do it because of this. Well, God would give him a reason. I can't do it because of this. God would give him a reason. When you feel you're inadequate, go read the story of Moses, how he really felt, and what God told him. Same way these guys, when Jesus died, how'd they feel? They didn't really get it all yet. They did soon after, but at the time they didn't. Listen for us when our world is collapsing. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't leave. Don't go back and go to fishing. Remember, Peter and Andrew did. They went back and they went fishing. But they came back from that, didn't they? When they folks, these folks realized that Jesus was still with them, he reassured them. And Acts 1 and 3 <clears throat> says when he came back, he spent 40 days with them when he came back. They thought, what if it's someone come back from the dead, but these guys rode to Mass? Later on, after that, Jesus revealed himself to them, and they knew who it was. Here Jesus said, spent 40 days with them. When this, that preparation did a lot. That cleared up many things. They got it then. After that, they got it. When they're finally ready to go, care at the Great Commission of the World, it's amazing what these unqualified and called inadequate men went through until they died. One example is in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says this. Now that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them. That they had been with Jesus. Unlearned ignorant men. In other words, these guys weren't scholars, and they're doing these things, but they're with Jesus. That made the difference. That makes a difference in our lives. We don't have to be scholars. We're with Jesus. That makes the difference. That made the difference with them. Because they did what they did, they blazed the trail they did. Look where we're at today. They hadn't done that. Obviously, those 12 were the right people, but not ones like I say we would have picked. That's what the world thought of them, unlearned and ignorant people. But we remember what Jesus thought of them. Say even God thought of David. Those guys blazed the trail, like I say, we can only have, uh, read with respect and awe. Going through this, I think of people in the church in my past. Never discount our brethren, our preachers, no matter what the world or others think of them. There's many people like this congregation and others are hard-working folks, many of them under the radar, you might say, we don't ever hear about. Even some preachers do wonderful things we don't hear about working under the radar, you might say. Trying to do the same thing these men were, doing their best. That's all we can ask is doing our best. My best sometimes may not be 
what you think it should be. Maybe sometimes I should do better. I get done this morning, you might criticize my less, think I should have done better, I missed this, I missed that, but I'm doing my best. I'm up here trying to do my best to spread the word of God. Hopefully it will make an impact on your lives. Not what I said, but how I present this, hopefully it will help you. I'm doing my best to do that. We all should do our best to do that. Not when it's evident, like right now, in our lives, everything in our lives when it's evident. Because God always knows what you're doing and he knows your heart. That's what these men did. It was 24-7 for these men. It wasn't just a certain times. Next time you have people problems in your life, remember, <laughs> when you pray for something, remember what Jesus got. You may not always get what you want. You may not get what Jesus wants you to have. It may not always be the same. When you pray for those 12, remember that. That choice was preceded by a night of prayer. We chose to remember prayer is important. Prayer does wonders. When Peter was let out of prison in Acts chapter 12, the story is told in 11, verses 11 through 17, they went out. The first place he went was the, the Christian lady's home. Which home. He knew that was a safe place he could go to. And what did he find them doing there? They were praying. They'll dance on the road to come to the door. They were praying through the house of Mary. Isn't that amazing what they were doing? And they were praying, what would Peter do? They thought he was going to die. All of a sudden, he was out of prison knocking on the door. Our prayers were answered, weren't they? Prayers were answered. They were answered like they wanted them to at that time. But sometimes, it's a little different. They're praying for brother in danger and of need. And remember, it is never wrong to pray. The Bible doesn't teach there's a bad time to pray. Pray without ceasing. Always pray. That doesn't mean you pray, never quit praying. It means you continue always praying. Every day you continue praying. That's what that means. Continue praying. Don't discount folks, like I said. The Lord don't see folks like we do. I know of a, as a young man or as a teenager, one fellow who spent time in jail. I know of another fellow who had problems with alcohol and substance abuse. And they both these brethren had got in trouble when they were young. And now that they're older guys, most people don't remember those things. I do. They also know things about me when I was young. So we don't, kind of don't tell each other. We got too much. But uh, they're leaders in churches right now. They have children. They're good Christians. They're good family men. But as young men, if brethren would have discounted them or told them you're bad, just not dealt with them, would just got rid of them, think what would have happened to these brethren. Where would they be now? But because the brethren saw these kids, just don't despise the youth. That's a big meaning to it, don't despise the youth. We can't discount folks like that. You could have discounted these fishermen. They're not any good. The other guys, we don't even know nothing about them. Who are these guys that be preaching the gospel? Have the great commission. Who are these guys? Jesus didn't discount them, did he? We don't need to discount folks. If some of these kids that were the troublemakers and the rabble-rousers and caused problems when they were young, some of them are other ones, are leaders in the churches today, doing a very good job. So we have to be careful, like I say, but thinking about those things. We can't always try to look for something better. We're trying to convert people. We have in our mind sometimes we convert people, what they're going to be, turn them into, where they come from, people that come in the door, where the walk-ins, who they are. Kind of in our mind, who would fit conversion, who wouldn't fit conversion. We think about these things. 
Well, we need to rethink about these things because sometimes we're trying to build our own dream team. But sometimes it may look like the bad news bears, as that one movie is. It may be that way. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Read verses 9 through 11. I love to read this because it's very humbling of how some people perceive the church and how the church really was. We all know that the church of Corinth had a lot of issues. But let's read this little series of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Such as some of you. I got to thinking, who would I sit by? Who would I have my kids sit by? Well, you know, it's, you think about those things. But this, those folks were Christians, such as were some of you. You can become a Christian. No one's immune from Christianity. Everybody can become a Christian. But if you're careful, we think of who can or who can't become a Christian in our minds. Because we just never know who can become a Christian. My father wasn't baptized until he was, after retiring, he was an older guy. And my sister called to tell me that he'd been baptized. First thing she said was, you need to sit down. God, I never dreamed my dad, like my dad, Doyle Trent, I never dreamed he would be baptized. I never did. I, of course, I shouldn't, shouldn't have felt that way. That was wrong. But I knew my dad pretty good. I never felt he would do it. And when I found that he did, I, it's a good thing I was sitting down. It was very emotional for me to do that. And I was wrong because I discounted my dad. And when I talked to him afterwards, he told me the reasons, and I talked to Laverne Lum, was the one that baptized him. I talked to Laverne about these things. It all made sense. It all kind of came together. There's a lot of things that I didn't know that made it all come together. I didn't know the stories that brought it together. And God bless Laverne for doing what he did. Because of him, my dad was obeyed the gospel. My dad's passed away now. We have some comfort. That's what it's all about. That was my own father who I had doubts about. We have people in our world we probably have doubts. Oh, they won't make one creation. They won't. Hey, wait. Time out. Time out. Wait and think. Jesus prayed all night. Look who he got. Think about those kinds of things. Don't discount these things. Look at this, what it says in Corinthians here. This is chapter verses 9 through 11. Look at those folks. We can't discount people. In our lives, you must remember the Lord might have plans for us in our circle we might not know about. Peter and all of them, they didn't know what their future would be. Jesus said, come follow me. They didn't know what plans he had. At that moment in time, they didn't know the Great Commission. They didn't know all these things. When Matthew walked away, he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what, what places they would have in the Lord's will, you might say. They had no idea. Neither do we. That's what we think about. Think about that. You need to keep yourself ready. So if you do have a place in the Lord's will, if something comes up, you're prepared to do it. That's what you need to do. Keep yourself spiritually healthy. When Janet was, was alive and she had the MS, she was so bad, the doctors always told her, there's not a cure for this. But you should work to get yourself as healthy as you can so if a cure does come, you're a candidate for one. And that's what kept her going so many years because she wanted to become be a candidate for one. We'd ask the doctors every once in a while, there was something out there she could be a candidate for. That's what drove her to do that. As Christians, we kind of have to have that same thing. Make sure we're able to fill the will of God. Be ready for whatever happens. Not just be standing back. The baseball thing again. We're not to be in the bleachers. We've got to be in the field. We can be on the bench. It takes people on the bench. Got to have a strong bench. Got to have a bat boy too. 
can have all kinds of different folks, different roles. Yes, we do. It's all the way, but we all got we all got to suit up. We're all going to be down there. We play that day or not, we got to be down there. We never know what's going to happen, do we? Same thing in life. Jesus could have some things in store for some of you, and only He knows. You don't. Be ready. Disciples of all, we have to be ready, waiting. They're receptive to God's word. That's important, receptive to God's word. What Johnny Elmore used to always say, he says, with someone, we to be someone who's teachable. If you're not teachable, you got a problem. He loved people who were teachable. The apostles were teachable. They listened to Jesus. They learned. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, from 1017. That's how it works. That's how it worked then. That is how it works now. We need the same kind of people today, brave people like that. Think about that. You think the baseball analogy is maybe not fitting, but you know what? We're bought with the price. Those athletes make a lot of money. We're bought with the price. We need to suit up. We need to do these things. Doesn't matter what position we fulfill. We're on a roster. We're there. We're bought with the price. But we belong to him. It's not all about me, me, me. Seeking for his kingdom, God, and his righteousness. That's keeping the back of your head all the time. All throughout the day. What kept me in, on the straight and narrow, you might say, throughout the day when I was working. James 4 and 17. There him know to do good, doeth not to him as to sin. Throughout your day, you're doing something. Is this a good thing to do or not? Replying to one of your coworkers. They've done something bad to you. You're responding back. Time out again. Is this a good thing to do or not? They know to do good and do it not, it's a sin. Do that with your lives. They did that. They did good. They had to stop and think sometimes, but they did good. That's what they did. They're bought with the price. We've already been drafted. We're there. We need to remember this morning, there'll never be another day in our lives. We're not alive somewhere. We'll be alive somewhere. But we're ours. The choice is ours. Remember Jesus, when he died, where he went, he talks about us being the dead coming up with and meeting him in the air. We have a choice where we want to be, what we want to do. Like about the choice generation, it's been that way since New Testament times. We have a choice to make this morning. This morning, hopefully you've heard the gospel. It says, I said, Romans 10, 17, faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We have to believe. He believe and baptized, shall be saved. He believes not, shall be down, Mark 16, 16. A real important verse, bless you, repent, you should... You'll perish. Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5. That's pretty clear. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Confess the great confession that was done when Philip and the eunuch, Philip baptized the eunuch. Be baptized in the mission of sins. Acts 2 and 38. Most of you are familiar with that. The Apostle Paul, when he was converted, be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what baptism does. If you've done those things, and you strayed away from the Lord. You're not where you should be, as some folks on the outside are. You want to start this morning a clean slate. You can become a Christian and start with a clean slate when you leave here. You be with one of those and meet him in the air. If you're a Christian and you've erred, you think you need to have that slate clean. Remember, would it be a good thing this morning to come forward? Make sure you have a clean slate. There are him and to do good, do it to not him as a sin. Remember that this morning. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com.
Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.